Are you wanting to be more visible online and get more direct bookings? Then keep listening as I speak to Sarah Orchard, award-winning marketing strategist, number one best-selling author and glamping business owner, who now helps hosts to confidently move from being invisible online to gaining maximum visibility, web traffic and direct bookings through her own unique seven-step proven marketing system. Sarah has her own glamping business called The Hideout, and this is one of the most sought-after treehouses in the UK. And Sarah has achieved an occupancy rate of 96% from launching back in 2020, and is now 100% booked direct, so she certainly knows what she's talking about. But before we get into that, because this podcast is all about growing your holiday-let business, one way of doing this is through repeat bookings. And to help you do that, I've created a free guide on how to create repeat bookings in five easy steps. And you can go ahead and grab the link from the show notes. And I would love to know what you think. So do let me know over on Instagram at Jane Mac Consulting. So now let's dive into how you can gain maximum visibility for your holiday let. Hello and welcome to this episode of Grow Your Holiday Let Business. I'm your host, Jane Mack, and today I am joined by Sarah Orchard. Sarah is an award-winning marketing strategist. She's a number one best-selling author and a glamping business owner. And she helps her fellow hosts to confidently move between being visible online to have maximum visibility, web traffic and direct bookings. So welcome, Sarah. It's lovely to have you on the show today. Thanks, Jane, for having me. It's great to be here. So Sarah and I actually met in person earlier this year, which is quite strange because lots of these uh, podcast episodes I do, I've never actually met in person. So it's been lovely to have met you last uh, earlier this year. Actually, I think it was May. Uh, we met at the Short Stay Summit in London. So it's been really good to get to know more about you and your business. Uh, Sarah's a co-author in the book Hospitable Hosts too. So I've read her chapter. We'll, we'll touch on that later on anyway. So it's been good for me just to have a bit of a, a background on Sarah's glamping journey, if you like. So, Sarah, let's just start with hearing a bit more about your background and and your successful glamping business, which is, well, which is a treehouse. So tell us a wee bit more about that, Sarah. Okay. Um, Well, I started off, I mean, my background is um, I've always worked in marketing. I've done that for over 30 years, but I sort of started in the corporate world. But my husband and I, I think we both had sort of itchy feet and we went traveling in 2004. Uh, We did a little round the world trip. We jacked in our jobs, rented out our house. Everyone thought we were a little bit mad because most people do that when they sort of leave college. But we were like mid 30s. So we were quite old to be doing it. I think we were some of the not the oldest backpackers we bumped into, but we were some of the oldest. Um, oh, doing it's it never, never too late, Sarah, to do a, a bit of traveling at all. <laughs> exactly. Um, but a lot of them were like 18 to sort of 20. So we were like mid 30s. So we, we did a round the world trip for six and a half months. We went to New Zealand, Australia, spent quite a bit of time in the US and Canada. and we. We didn't know about it at the time because I don't think glamping was sort of on the radar at that point. No. But we stayed in some really quirky, what just backpacker places, you mm-hmm. know, just unique accommodation that um, owners had sort of, you know, they were renting out rooms, they'd sort of renovated. We stayed in like a converted church that had been renovated by a sheep farmer in New Zealand had like wriggly tin in the showers and oh, slices of wood for it. the worktops. <laughs> so it was all really quirky and sort of, and I, I like a little bit of interior design. So I was like, this is like really fab. And then we stayed in our first tree house in Salt Spring Island, which is off Vancouver. And um, we came back from traveling, went back to corporate jobs. And I, we, we talked heavily about emigrating to New Zealand because we really fell in love with New Zealand. We loved, we're very outdoorsy. I'm a horse rider. 
my husband is a fisherman I used to ski so the lifestyle there is is sort of perfect for that and we we thought right we're going to set up a backpackers but it's sort of Adrian's mum was quite ill at the time with cancer and it's a long way away and we thought maybe you know maybe we wouldn't see people and maybe that wasn't the right thing for us at the time so we sort of stayed put in the UK and then we started thinking well maybe we could create something accommodation wise in the UK like a backpackers um, and then we sort of discovered glamping and our sort of search started properly probably in sort of Probably about sort of 2008, 2009, we started sort of looking for properties and looking in lots of different counties all over the, you know, England. Um, didn't really find anything, but sort of fitted the bill. And then we came on holiday in 2014 to the Wye Valley in Gloucestershire, which is where sort of England butts up to Wales, mm-hmm. um, just by sort of uh, Bristol and the um, Severn Estuary. And um, we fell in love with it. I think I was brought up in Scotland. And it's it's a it's a traditional sort of you know spate river valley, and we've been living in Surrey, which is is beautiful but not quite sort of so dramatic in terms of the scenery. Mm-hmm. And we sort of fell in love with it. Obviously, there's good fishing, lovely countryside, and then we started house hunting um, for somewhere to buy, which um, took us a long time. It's about two and a half years before we yeah. actually found the the property that we decided to, to buy because the woodland was suitable for our treehouse project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing. I mean, that's quite a journey because you obviously had a passion for it that you find way back in your traveling days and realize actually this is the direction we want to go, or, you know, we want to go in. Um, and I think, you know, having done that staying in lots of different quirky places, you get a good feel for what you like, what you don't like, and what you want to offer people as well. Um, so it was a six months time well spent to take in a whole new journey in your in your lives, if you like. So building a treehouse can't have been easy in any means anyway. Um, you know, share with us any challenges you came across and kind of how you got around those, because I think getting your glamping business off the ground, um, well, it's a treehouse. You did literally get it off the ground, didn't you? Can't <laughs> been easy. So you know, what, what challenges did you face on the, on the way? I think the key one was... Um... I think a lot of people, you sort of go into it with a dream and you forget there's an awful lot of practicalities about building a structure. We sort of knew we wanted to make it very much on grid and not off grid. Mm -hmm. So getting things like utilities, um, getting full plumbing and waste and all of that stuff and also all the planning requirements that, you know, you have to comply with. Um, Building what we were building, it's like building a a new build house. So it has to comply with all of the building regulations in terms of like insulation and safety and materials. We also wanted to try and build it in the most sustainable way possible, um, trying to use as much local sort of timber and materials as well, try and be sympathetic to the, not only the ecology of the area that we're building in, because we border a triple SI, which is a a site of special scientific interest, which is ancient woodland. Um, We're also in an AOMB, which is... um, Obviously, they're highly protected areas in the UK uh, for sort of nature and and scenery. Um, So we we had a few challenges that we thought we'd have a lot of challenges on the planning front. Um, Mm. Our actual planning went through. We sort of duly complied with all of the things that they told us we had to. And it did go through quite quickly in the sort of it took us about six to nine months to do all of the surveys and sort of preparation like tree surveys and we had to do ecology um, and we had to do bat studies um, and then the actual planning 
went through in eight weeks, which was the sort of standard planning. So it all went through quite smoothly in the end because planning is often a really big hurdle for glamping businesses. Um, And I think my key tip is two things, really. Do your research in terms Mm -hmm. of what the local council and their and their development plan tells you they want mm-hmm. um so we spent a lot of time we did a, a complimentary it's like a free pl- pre-planning application with our local district council here to get pointers on what they would sort of support and not support um and the other thing really is to to do a business plan yeah. we submitted a business plan that showed the viability of the business mm-hmm. and we got sort of complimented that they could see that we'd really thought through the project i think they want to see that it's viable and that yeah. the local economy is going to is going to benefit. Yeah. So those are my sort of two key things from a sort of planning perspective. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was pretty challenging. It took eight eight months to build. Um, it rained literally constantly from the moment we <laughs> broke ground. Um, it was like the Somme in terms of the mud. Um, oh and we have no road access. So everything materials wise, we've worked out we had there's 55 tons of the actual physical building. But then we had all the landscaping as well. So it came to about 100 tonnes worth of material that we had to get there by sort of hand quad bike and trailer across the field to the to the build site. Again, we hadn't really thought about that when we fell in love with the location. (laughs) But, you know, there's obviously a determination there, Sarah, that this is what you were doing. And you say you did all the research and you were invested in it right from the start. And the local council could see that. So, um, you know, I think when you come that far, you just have to get through the mud and the rain then, don't you? think you've come that far. We just need to get it get it going and get it up there. So, But I think in building anything in the UK, you're going to be at some stage or you're going to be faced with the weather, aren't you? But, you know, if you've got a passion there and you're invested in it, then absolutely you've just got to fire on with it and keep it going. Um, I know as well you've had quite a bit of press interest in the Treehouse. Um, I do believe it was it Escape to the Country it's been on. Uh, it's two things that well it's been on escape to the country three times because we actually found the house through that tv right. show um which was because of my desperation having i think we did 20 we saw 23 properties oh. on sort of 10 property trips got a couple of speeding tickets it was quite an adventurous sort of process and then we i i wrote into escape to the country and adrian didn't know that i'd done it <laughs> um he was away on a business trip and then when he came back i had to tell i literally got a phone call two days after i put the application for me because i a friend encouraged me mm-hmm. uh, because i was moaning about not being able to find the right property and she lives in gloucestershire and she was like just just apply to escape to the country it'll be fine and i went adrian will kill me and she said, no, it's fine. You know, it, it, right. I'm, sure it I'm, sure it I'm sure it won't even happen. You know, you sort of put these applications in and you think they get thousands of applications. They'll never oh. contact you. And the phone rang literally two days later and said, we'd like to have you on the show. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to need to tell Adrian yeah. what I've done. <laughs> um, but the Treehouse has also been on um, Channel 4's Extraordinary Escapes with Sandy Togsvig. That was the most recent one. So Fantastic. Oh, my God, it's such amazing. So you, you were in the press. There's a few different press articles you've had as well. And um, I know that being featured in the press is something that anybody with a business like that, you know, whether it's a glamping, whether it's a self-catering property, cottages, whatever, Getting featured gives them really good visibility out there, but it's also makes them really recognisable. Um, you know, is there any advice you give to people if they're trying to get featured in the press or how they can go about it or you know anything they can do? 
Okay, well, yes, getting featured in the press and particularly on television, I won't lie, it's been massive for our business. Huh. And if I look back at the last sort of 10 bookings, probably at least 30, 40% have said seen you on TV. Yeah. And obviously we get a lot of search traffic. Um, so people Googling us because mm -hmm. they've probably seen us on TV or they, you know, they might be watching it on playback. This is the thing with TV shows these days. They sort of stay yeah. around for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, PR and, and sort of any publicity is, is fantastic for your business. We, we deliberately, when we were building the treehouse, knew we had to do something different. Yeah. And I think the press and the media always want an angle. Right. They want, if you just say, I've just opened a business, you know, isn't this great? I've got this new glamping business or any mm -hmm. type of holiday business, they won't be interested. So you have to give them angles. Yeah. Um, ideally, that sort of fits with trends so there's a lots of trends obviously around well-being mm -hmm. um people taking i think after post-covid um well-being is a massive theme so if you mm -hmm. can build that into your sort of your guest experience and your business offering yeah. they also trends around um what they now called listeners which is this it used to call be leisure but it's basically people now being much more mobile you, people have probably heard of the digital nomads expression yeah. which mm -hmm. is very much referring to sort of the younger generation who are like you know maybe like influencers and bloggers who are like living abroad and yeah. working while they're mobile but there's a lot more people now that are trying to combine leisure time with business time mm -hmm. and actually bolting on sort of a longer leisure trip and then doing some work while they're there so if you can be aware of the trends and mm. the things that the journalists are interested in okay. you can then write a press release and you know pitch yourself to them we did work with a PR specialist because okay. I won't lie you know I don't know all of the journalists at all of the major titles yeah. mm -hmm. and and you do need to sort of build relationships with them so one of the quickest ways of obviously getting exposure mm -hmm. is you need to have a good offering and a good story mm -hmm. But then if you work with a sort of PR professional, they have the contacts with, you know, the travel teams and the travel editors, the freelance journalists that write for a lot of these both online and, and the old fashioned sort of, you know, mm -hmm. physical magazines and, and print. Um, and then they can really help you to know how to pitch it. Um, they sort of help you do that. Mm -hmm. And then what you find is you also get them, the, even if you just invest with them once, we get a lot of follow up now where people will come to us. To, to sort of feature us again we've got the times coming right. to stay you know it's like once you've been with them once they sort of like you're on their radar right. um, and they want to feature you again yeah that's really useful to know because there are a lot of PR people out there and I do see it through social media um they give you the options to sort of do it yourself and follow these this sort of checklist if you like of things to do then there's the we can sort of train you on it and work with you or there's the we'll do it for you and every time I see it I think yeah you do it for me because I'm like you Sarah I, do, I don't know all the the journalists what they're you know that, that whole piece would be a huge learning bit on my side and I think I just don't have the patience and the time for it I would have to go to somebody to actually do it do it for me so mm -hmm. and I think when you're going to go something like the press I think you want to get it right you really need to get it right. Um, so yeah, I would definitely be the same. I would just go straight to somebody as well. But that's actually really useful information for anyone who is looking to get into the press to sort of guide them in the right direction. So yeah, you can get you can get local press quite easily mm -hmm. because they're always looking for sort of stories. And if you're a local business, that's a lot easier. And you could probably yeah. do that yourself. But I think yeah. it's harder to get national coverage mm -hmm. um yeah. without the help of someone who's got the sort of inside contact. Yeah. 
the end of the day, these guys, that's what they do for a living. That's their expertise. So it's like people come would come to you for your, your marketing expertise, which we're just going to speak about in a moment. But they come to that because that's what your area of knowledge, that's what you've, you're have trained in, that's you know that's your expertise. So people would come to you for that. So you would go to a PR person for their expertise. So it's, um, yeah, it totally makes sense. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So just touched on the marketing there. This is what I think is great because you've got this glamping business, you run it yourself, you do all your bookings yourself, everything's direct to you. But you've also got a really good marketing background, which is brought on your marketing business. So tell us more about your marketing business. It really ties in with your your glamping business as well. Yes, um, I started off, like I said, in the corporate world. So I did 16 years in sort of corporate world travel in the, you know, in a corporate marketing role. So I worked my way up and uh, did the usual sort of tenure to to get the experience. Um, loved it. Didn't like the politics quite so much, which is one of the reasons why I jumped ship. But in 2006, I became a freelance marketing consultant. So I was sort of doing that traditionally for, well, sort of 15 years. And, and COVID for me was a really sort of, change point in my business I've been wanting to do more online stuff for a while and then COVID literally I mean a lot of my clients well probably sort of 80% of my clients were all travel holiday hospitality businesses and just like us after we only opened and got shut down five weeks with the tree house after we'd opened yeah all my clients got shut down too so I lost all of my clients overnight and that's really where sort of get fully booked was was born because I I developed my own sort of seven step marketing system the customer delight marketing blueprint and I'd been wanting to sort of run that as a course mm-hmm. um and it sort of evolved really and I've now run a, a membership a marketing a monthly marketing club called the fully booked business club where I sort of help fellow owners sort of learn how to basically it's two things it's know-how so it's it's the knowledge and the how to do the marketing right because a lot of people will tell you what you need to do uh-huh. but they they hold back the how you need to uh-huh. do it and I think that's one of the things that gets owners sort of bogged down and a bit overwhelmed Mm -hmm. is all of the things that they need to do and also the confidence so they've got access to me in the club every week I run like a help desk which is like a QA and a session so I can sort of help them when they get stuck or if they just feel like they've got it's never a silly question but if they feel like they've got a silly question that they would be scared to put into like a forum because they'd probably Mm -hmm. get everyone (laughs) telling them that they were silly and they shouldn't do such and such um they've got access to me and like content ideas so there's a lots of resources within the club so I really love running it obviously mm-hmm. I've got I've got over 80 members and it's you know it's people running holiday cottages B&Bs um some have got large sort of group accommodation quite a few glamping businesses in there as yeah. well so everyone learns from each other as well so it's it's brilliant and I've been really thrilled how it's sort of out of COVID which was for me you know our business got shut down I lost all my clients we sort of sat there yeah. on the 23rd of March or probably the 24th of March and went oh my god what are we going to do you know we've got a massive mortgage we've spent all of our savings <laughs> creating the tree house um we literally had like a thousand pounds in the bank and I was a bit like okay and now I can't pay my share of the mortgage because I've just lost all my clients because of you know this thing going on so it wasn't a great time no. but out of it something really positive has come and I'm delighted of how, how sort of get fully booked has, has evolved over the last two or three years yeah. I do. I love that you talk about how you know, something really positive came out of that because in pretty much every podcast guest that I have on here, COVID comes up somewhere because obviously we are in the travel industry, so it was you know, hit really hard. Um, but I love that 
you know, even though that industry was hit so hard and it was just overnight, it was just stopped. Everything completely stopped. People came out of it in completely different ways and created new businesses and created another side of a business, kind of gone on to create bigger and better things that possibly may never have done had we not had that pandemic. So, and I think that's, you know, it's just, it just shows you as well, you know, you've got the knowledge and the know-how and that determination there that you were like, well, actually, I want to do something else. I need to do something else. Let's create another side to the business, which is brilliant. And for anyone who's starting out in either holidays or glamping, what three tips would you give them to try and get them the maximum visibility online? Really good question. Um, I think the first question I always ask, you know, like a one-to-one client or people that I'm working with is, do you want to do your and do you have the time and capacity to do your own marketing because that will take you off in a couple of different directions so it's definitely possible to market your business direct I mean we've been 100% direct from you know the get-go but also I meet a lot of hosts who they might be running their business as a side hustle I hate to use that word but it might be that they've got corporate jobs or they've got full-time jobs or one of them's got full-time job and one person works in the business And therefore, with all the operational stuff that we all know goes with a hospitality business, just in terms of guest supplies and logistics and cleaning and laundry and all those lovely things um, and dealing with bookings and dealing with your guests and communications that actually you don't have the time to do your marketing. And that's not necessarily the wrong thing. It's just being aware of that. So the first point is really to decide, okay, which direction am I going to go? Do I need to use a specialist agent, um, third-party agent, booking agent, or do I need to go on something like Airbnb or booking.com? Everyone wants to say, no, I don't want to pay the commission. Yeah. And you can definitely save a lot of money. I mean, we've worked, I've worked out we've saved £65,000 in three years by being booked direct, which is uh, like that's extra profit in our business. Absolutely. And 65000 that's things to put in to constantly improve it and, you know, you put, put them investing back in to create more things. And honestly, it's a huge amount when you think about that, isn't it? 65000 yeah. for, so, for some people, that's like two years salary in some cases, you know. It, so it really is a phenomenal amount if you've got that time to to help do that those direct things exactly so I think if you can do your own marketing and you've got the time to learn and it's definitely not rocket science there is a there is a a strategy and a process and there's a you know almost like a system to work through that will make your marketing effective the next thing I'd say is invest in your um your branded guest experience so really invest time and energy seeing how you can stand out from the crowd and not be sort of vanilla I hate to use that word but if everyone is the same guests will just choose on price and it becomes a sort of race to the bottom so uh, ultimately if you can create a differentiated guest experience and brand that we worked very hard on the sort of you know the name and the branding and the whole it carries through the whole experience that our guests have it's not just a logo that we put on our website um, or on some business cards that you know it's carried through in terms of everything that we do from a marketing point of view so that's really important to and people tend to skip over that step of thinking about who their guests are who their ideal guests are and then really focusing on them and developing an experience that only really talks to them and not try and be everything to everyone yeah Uh, and the third one is to invest in your website 
So yeah. again, that's something that people, by the time they get to launch, and we've been there, I had, I think I financed quite a few of our last marketing investments on a credit card because we yeah. literally were in our overdraft and we spent all <laughs> of our money because the project is just, we were told it was going to be three months and it was eight months. It's just like, just went yeah. on and on and on. And there's always extras that you've forgotten about. So everyone's in the same boat. You get to the point you're renovating a holiday home or you're building a glamping site and you get to launch and you have no money for marketing. And that's where most people fail and they haven't invested. They don't invest in a website. They think, well, I'll do it myself or I'll get like one of these template freebie ones because I've literally got no money left. And ultimately Mm -hmm. that will then define how successful or not successful you are because people will judge you by how easily they can find you on search and they might not even find you if you haven't Mm -hmm. done a good job with that. And then also, you know, it's your website within about six seconds that will make someone decide Yes, or no. whether to read further and whether to go through it to the sort of booking stage. Yeah. Oh, fact, those are three very, very, very good tips. Thank you, Amanda, that anyone should be taken on board if they are thinking of starting in this uh, holiday letting and glamping world and especially the like the guest experience side. I think now more than ever, it's just so important to sell that experience and what you can offer and why you're different. There's just, you know, there's so many out there now. The, you know, the, the industry is just getting, there's more and more, it's been booming. And I think you'd need to find find something. There'll always be something that you can offer that's a bit different. There's always be, and it's really finding that and getting that experience out there to sell to people is, is so important. Um, and finally, I touched on it right at the beginning. I mentioned the book that you're a co-author of, which is Hospitable Host 2. Um, how did you find being part of that then? Oh, writing a book is hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was I was warned that the first sort of I had to write a three thousand word chapter. Mm-hmm. It's made me realise I would like to write my own book, but it's made me realise that that's quite a big undertaking. Yeah. Um, the first fifteen hundred words were quite easy. Uh, getting it up to three thousand and trying to also then distill sort of my knowledge and the key points into a into 3000 words was also then it's almost like the opposite extreme it gets hard as well (laughs) because it's like what are the most important things to tell somebody but I really enjoyed being part of the the project and having you know met and read some of the stories of the other Mm -hmm. hosts as well I think um, the hosting community is a very very powerful one and people are Mm -hmm. people were very generous with us when we were we went and saw some treehouse owners which we sort of were doing our research a bit and stayed in properties. Mm-hmm. We talked to lots of other, you know, my clients and fellow owners and people were always very generous with their mm-hmm. their time and their advice to us in terms yeah. of helping us get it right. So it, it felt right to be able to um, share the story in the book and and hopefully maybe inspire and help some other people to yeah. on, on their journey. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. I thought I got the book. Um, so I believe, believe you can get it on Amazon. Um, I bought it and I was up to 80 properties I was managing in my last business. So I can resonate with all these things everyone's saying. Obviously, I didn't, I've not had my own property. So I've not gone through the buying and the renovating of my own property. But I, the hosting side of, of properties, I can absolutely resonate with lots of things that people are saying in it. So I'm working my through through the book. I've only read maybe four or five of the chapters, but I love it. Because in short chapters, you can just pick it up, have a read. But they're really inspiring as well. That's what I really like about it. And so I think certainly for anyone who is in the industry, maybe they're new to the industry or starting, it's a really good book just to give you inspiration and think, you know, keep going, determination, because everyone's had challenges, haven't they? Everyone's had a challenge of some sort, all different challenges, but you can get through them. You can get through them all. And I think it's a really good book for that. So um, yes, Amazon, it's on. If anybody wants to buy it, um, I would highly recommend it. So that's what the book is. The book's on Amazon, Sarah. 
What about yourself? Where's the best place that people can find you if they want to connect with you or join your group or see more about what you do? Well, not surprisingly, it's online. So I have a website, which is get-fully-booked.com. I'm on Instagram as Get Fully Booked, uh, also on Facebook. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. So yeah, probably Instagram and my website are the best places to uh, get hold of me. And I also have a free Facebook group for hosts as well with the Hospitality Marketing Lounge. So they'd be welcome to come and hang out with me a bit more there if they'd like to. Lovely, lovely. Well, we'll put all that in the show notes anyway. And it's been absolutely lovely to speak today, Sarah. You've given us some lots of brilliant advice and tips for people out there who can, you know, who are starting out or thinking of starting out. So thank you very much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. And for anyone listening today, I hope you have enjoyed what you've heard. And thank you for listening. Hopefully you can take away some really good tips there on how you can maximize your visibility online for your holiday lit or your glamping. Um, and if you've liked what you heard, and if you think others could benefit for, from it, then do please leave us a review. And as always, if you have got any questions at all, do let me know. Just jump over to Instagram. I'm at Jane Mac Consulting. And now is your time to go and grow your holiday let business. <laughs>